A large gray elephant stood eating the lush greenery in an ancient walled garden. It paused for a moment and trumpeted loudly. Just then, three blind men came along. What made that sound? asked the first man. The second replied knowingly, that sound was made by an elephant. What is an elephant? asked the third. You know, I'm not completely certain, said the first man. We should investigate. The first blind man went forward with his fingers outstretched until he reached the elephant's rear. His hand moved along the elephant's tail, which graced its posterior slope. Aha, he said. An elephant is thin and long, just like a dangling rope. The second blind man went forward with his fingers outstretched until he arrived at the elephant's head. His hand moved along the elephant's ear, which rippled with thick, heavy hide. You're wrong, he said. An elephant is not at all like a rope. It's just like a rug. It's wide. The third blind man went forward with his fingers outstretched until he reached the elephant's knee. His hand moved along the elephant's leg. He measured the girth of its thigh. You know, you're both wrong, he said. An elephant is not like a rope or a rug. It's just like a pillar. It's high. An elephant is like a rope, screamed the first man. No, an elephant is like a rug, shouted the second. An elephant is like a pillar, insisted the third. They began to pound each other and yell, A rope! A rug! A pillar! A rope! A rug! A pillar! Meanwhile, the elephant stood inside the walled garden, nibbling the leaves of a tree. His ivory tusks curved towards the sky, a miraculous sight to see. With billowing minds and bellowing mouths, two opinions these blind men held fast. While the elephant stood quite undefined, in the garden of ancient past. This is Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I'm an Appalachian artist, a storyteller, and I have a background in phlebotomy, environmental biology, psychotherapy, and life coaching. Today I'm talking about dreams, intuition, and your own inherent guides through this very complicated life. Welcome to my show. I'm going to start off today by reading one beautifully written paragraph by a man named Robert Campbell. Robert, or Bob as he calls himself, is a retired chemical engineer living in Thailand now. He wrote this article well, several articles on PubMed, which is where I go and do a lot of uh, research and uh, study a lot of information. And I love PubMed. It's, it's this unbiased information source based on real research. And the people who get published on it are part of a, a giant think tank. They're very smart people. And these are intelligently written articles. Once in a while, you'll come across one that blatantly says that it's been retracted. And you'll always get an explanation for that if you do. Usually it's because somebody was getting paid by a company doing research on whatever thing that they were trying to advocate on PubMed. 
The article won't be censored. It will remain up there. But you'll see this big retraction word right through the article. But you can still read it, though. Anyway, Mr. Campbell has not been retracted. Being a chemical engineer, he was always a skeptic, and he had to reconcile himself with normally accepted frameworks of social and scientific understanding. He's an open-minded man. He's a scientist, and he's a believer in the evolution of intuition. And without further ado, I'm going to read just one paragraph that begins one of his research papers, the abstract at the beginning, because I believe that it encompasses everything I've always tried to say over the years. I just didn't know how to put it into words myself. I marry science and spirituality and intuition together. Always have. But it's very hard to explain these correlations. So here it is, in his words, this small but powerful paragraph. Modern science has come to be regarded as an exclusively objective endeavor employing explicit language that attempts to exclude subjective anthropomorphic biases. In doing so, it has run the risk of becoming a purely materialistic bias itself, according no proper place to the human spirit or to intuitive insights that have guided the evolution of human cultures, even though this includes the guiding insights of the most important contributors to the sciences. Although this may have been necessary to exclude rampant superstition in the past, a summary overview of the historical evidence indicates a current pressing need to restore a proper balance. Beautiful. I need to pick up one of his books. There's a lot of controversy over where and when we begin our phase into coherent, intelligent verbal language. But this is a big part of what separates us from most animals. Our ability to use this intelligent language. Our brains, over centuries, have evolved and grown so much. And if you pick one up and look at it, a brain, and notice the curls in it, you can begin to see how it's trying to absorb so much and grow so much that it appears to be caving in on itself. As with all those curls and, and pliable shapes that make up its surface. Kind of like origami, a folded in organ capable of expanding even more. Just trying to fit inside this vessel that we're all carrying around. And this brain, it's absolutely crazy amazing. We still can't understand all of its functions and its abilities and how it continues to evolve and do subtle things that we haven't even noticed yet. Some of the oldest writings have come out of Egypt and Mesopotamia and those languages are based in pictures and ideograms. The Phoenician alphabet was phonetic and it represented sound. And as we move forward into the building of real civilizations, we notice that they all became structured at first around poetry, feelings, music, 
And then they moved into a structure of moral values and a hierarchy of gods. And then religious structures emerged. But the common thing of all these things, all these evolutionary communications, were sorted around our connection to the cosmos, our desire to expand, and it was founded in intuitive and spiritual insights. When we finally get to Greek philosophy, Aristotle comes onto the scene and we get this tremendous influence on the newer developments of Western philosophy and science. And then our culture, it just takes off. Today, we're very complicated. And there begins this imbalance between older and newer brain function and our ability to experience, see, feel, understand and on and on we are clearly so powerful and fast in our mental and spiritual evolution that we have become very different than most anything in the animal kingdom we're somewhat separated and yet we're not we're still made of the same stuff we still work in the same way with the same ions and electrical currents and life and death phases but our minds are vast. They're these cosmic computers inside our physical bodies sending signals back and forth so fast and with so much electricity that they can light up cities. And we're beginning to become a culture of destruction, damaging these beautiful lights with toxic things and lifestyles when we could be doing so much more and this is how a good thing collapses. Intuition, a very important and powerful tool. Not some woo-woo, new age horse crap. It's very real and it's very effective. And we can use it like a muscle and make it stronger. And we can pay attention to it and reboot our brains and our health and our whole lives and live the way we want to live. Living Wild. My show is called Natural and Wild. Everything is part of the natural world. And living wild means living according to your intuition. Living according to your heart. And refraining from anything around you that seems like toxicity seeping out of that over-civilized, confused society that's starting to damage its own lights and energies. When I tell people I live wild, it doesn't mean I'm running around naked in these backwoods, hair all mangled up and matted down with dirt and grungy nails, unless I'm gardening. <laughs> I have enough sense to know that it's not very pragmatic to run around with no clothing protection in the tangled, briar-ridden woods of Appalachia. We have some of the most tangled and dense forests in the nation here. You go out west, everything's wide open and clean. There's room to walk. But here, you've got big thickets of vines and roots and briars. So big and unruly, they'll kill you. It's a jungle. Snakes everywhere underneath, just hiding and waiting to bite your ankles. We've got hunters creeping up on our territory, my family's territory. 
and the only ones here who ever pay attention to the family property are me and my mother and my uncle who lives in another state. He can't be here all the time. And we can't, me and mom can't police over 80 acres of raw woods every day and catch every person who sneaks onto it. So that's another reason I don't run around wild and naked on the property. I don't want to run into a a pack of hunters with big shotguns hiding out under a rock. That would be a bad day for me. When I say I live wild, I mean I live according to my intuition and to my heart. There's plenty of pragmatic thinking present. There's plenty of controlled self-discipline. But I'm not tethered to the slow downward spiral of society's overblown dogma or the limitations of its science framework. I know inherently that our physical senses are very limited and I strive and I push and I challenge these limits by using myself as a guinea pig for various ideas and experiments. All these crazy things going on in my head. One being this new mushroom mycelium I'm taking every day. The lion's mane mushroom. It's mycelium is even more powerful. I mentioned this briefly in uh, my psychedelics and sacred medicine podcast. But I didn't really go into detail. I first heard of this stuff from a mycologist talking about how he believed it was an important medicine for the prevention of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. It supposedly has this very powerful regenerative effect on the nervous system and the neurons in the brain as it can actually regrow things and heal things that are not firing correctly anymore. And it's even shown to kill the plaque that forms and builds up in the brain in Alzheimer's patients. But I didn't go on his recommendation alone. Again, I went right to PubMed and I started looking up all the papers and the essays that I could find on this stuff. Some were retracted. And again, just due to the fact that some of these authors were hooked up with a company that was selling the extract. But a lot of these papers were legit and absolutely full of interesting information and documented research. There was so much good stuff said about the mycelium of the lion's mane mushroom that I had to give it a go. So I ordered some and now I've been taking it now for a a little while, every day. So I'll tell you about my experience after I mentioned just one more thing that I was doing in conjunction with that. Now, I've started auditing some uh, neuroscience courses at Harvard Online. You can do that for free. They offer courses in a lot of different things that anybody can audit, and I recommend it. It's very cool. While I've been doing this, I've also been reading about other things involving the human brain, like our pineal gland. I do hold a degree in phlebotomy, which taught me chemical systems, hormones, blood work, the chemical cells and systems of the human body and I've always been interested in those chemicals which the pineal gland has a lot to do with it produces melatonin the primary way that your body regulates the circadian rhythms that you have so it keeps you in rhythm it keeps you ticking it keeps you moving and regulates your sleep 
and also controls your dreams. Melatonin doesn't run around all by itself. It gives birth too. It produces a chemical called vasitocin. And vasitocin is responsible for erasing your memory while you sleep and giving you vivid dreams. And this is a very important part of healing and unblocking our abilities and our futures. When you're inundated with too much thought about what's going on in your life, during your conscious moments, stresses, worries, you can't really tap into those deep down darker blockages that need to get released in order to open you up to new and better things. And that's what dreams are for. And as we age and over time, our pineal gland begins to calcify and harden up. It becomes blocked. But there are possibilities for softening that back up again. And in my opinion, one of those possibilities is the lion's mane mushroom, mycelium. And along with this raw, organic cacao has also got some decalcifying properties. And I've been using both of these things together. And so now my dreams have become so vivid and I remember everything when I wake up. And so I've been able to nail down exactly what my most personal inner stresses and my fears are that are keeping me from opening up and letting in what I want from this vast universe, from this beautiful life. And that's what your dreams do. They let you in on what you're hiding from yourself. And they're poetic. They're intuitive, beautiful, dramatic, emotional. This emotion and intuitiveness plays a vital role in your expansion in this life and the places that you can take yourself in it. We shouldn't be afraid of emotion and intuition and treat these things like some kind of wacky, unrealistic, insincere thing. These tools are very real, very important. They're where your ideas, your core beliefs, and ultimately your best creations come from. And so here we go back to that paragraph written by Mr. Campbell, and I'll read it again. Listen to it one more time. Modern science has come to be regarded as an exclusively objective endeavor employing explicit language that attempts to exclude subjective anthropomorphic biases. In doing so, it has run the risk of becoming a purely materialistic bias itself, according no proper place to the human spirit or to intuitive insights that have guided the evolution of human cultures, even though this includes the guiding insights of the most important contributors to the sciences. Although this may have been necessary to exclude rampant superstition in the past, a summary overview of the historical evidence indicates a current pressing need to restore a proper balance. I don't know if I'm successfully decalcifying my pineal gland because I can't get into my own brain and see what it's doing. But I do know without a doubt that I feel different 
that something has changed inside of me. My dreams have become vivid, meaningful, and have exposed some very serious things that have been holding me back, things that I had never imagined. We always believe that we've gotten past all our demons, past all the things blocking us, but we never, never are past those things because our world keeps on spinning and we keep on moving and working on those blocks and those internal obstacles and closed doors. It's a continuing eternal process of maintenance. So don't get stuck. Don't give up. Don't believe that you'll someday be in the perfect place at the perfect point in your life with nothing left to work on. Because the universe moves and that's its only and its most vital constant. And it's yours, too. This has been Natural and Wild with me, Christine Grayson. I'd like to thank my biggest supporters of this show, Chris Nolan, William Bishop, Arnold Bloom, Sheila McGregor, Bruce Presson, Robin Umber, and Yvonne Ragland. I'd like to thank those of you who have helped this week by donating to the virtual tip jar via the PayPal link at the bottom of my website, christinegrayson.com. I never like asking for money, but I always have to, as this is a listener-supported podcast, and it all comes out of pocket, which is not sustainable. Your help keeps this show going. It pays for the right to use music. It pays for editing and distribution, and in turn, I can keep giving you these shows on time. Have a wonderful weekend. Hug somebody. Get out into the sunshine. If it's raining, do a rain dance with a smile on your face. Keep fighting for your rights and for your happiness. Keep loving and come back next week.